Are you interested in making your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You guys can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And in fact, I'm using Anchor and I love it. If you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Busy Mom Podcast. Today is Friday, April 13th. It's Meet My Friend Friday. And as promised, I'm going to introduce you today to the lovely Sam Sorbo. She is on the podcast uh, coming to you from Los Angeles. Really, Sam needs no introduction, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce her anyway. Sam is known for her quick wit, which I can attest to, her fun personality. She is a homeschooling advocate. She has written a book, a couple of them, but her uh, her newest book we're going to talk about a little bit later, but I'm going to start out with a book she wrote called They're Your Kids. And uh, I appreciate Sam's heart and her passion for truth. She is also married to Kevin Sorbo, which many of you will know as Hercules. And she has an incredible story. She is a homeschooling mom of three kids, and I am thrilled to invite her to the podcast today. So we're going to talk about homeschooling and why it's important and education and why it matters. And so if you're wondering, stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right. So I want to introduce you to Sam Sorbo. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Heidi, so much for having me. And it was so great to meet you at the Teach Them Diligently conference. That was a lot of fun. It was fun. I know. I was sitting there talking to you thinking, we we, we could be like sisters from another mother. I love your passion for truth. <laughs> it was fun to hear uh, Fun to hear you taking on the, the keynote address. It's interesting to me to note because so much of what I talk about here on the podcast is just talking to parents about truth and that truth is is found in God's word. And it doesn't change, but it seems like the culture is changing rapidly. Every every time I, I turn around, every time we turn on the news, uh, the culture is changing. And you and your husband, Kevin, have really taken a unique approach at educating parents. Uh, you've done uh, God's Not Dead, right? Which did which did really well. We all saw that here. And you have a new you have a new movie out that released in October, right? Yes, and that was Let There Be Light, right? Yeah. What's what's the story behind uh, those two movies? Well, God's Not Dead was a, a completely independent production. Pure Flix did that, and they tapped Kevin to to be in it, and he was just excited to be part of it. He recognized uh, that it was a good script and it was a good story, and he liked the message of the movie. Um, the fact that it took off like it did just is proof that there is a hunger out in the community for truth. Um, and of course the movie, you know, it was a $2 million movie and it grossed over 60 million box office just in the U S I think it's over a hundred worldwide at this point. Um, and it kind of spurred in a sense, a whole movement. Um, so, so on the heels of that, well, several years later, obviously, you know, I had the idea for a, a different movie called Let There Be Light, and um, we managed to get it done. I'll, I'll tell you, the, the money chased us on that one, which just never happens in Hollywood. Um, and so just the idea that the movie exists is kind of miraculous. 
Um, and it did also very well at the box office. I'm very proud of it. It's out on DVD now, and I encourage families to go see it. The most amazing thing about that movie was that um, audiences, and I heard this from numerous people who who took the time to go on uh, my website, my husband's website, samsorbo.com and kevinsorbo.net to tell us that audiences applauded at the end of the movie. And this is in the theater, you know, they sat through the credits until the very end. And then on the way out of the theater, and this is the most amazing part, is people talk to complete strangers. And that's because you all share humanity. And we have that in common. And if we can, if we can focus on our shared humanity as opposed to our differences, um, I think the world will be a better place. So that's, that's become kind of my, uh, part of my mission is, is to try to bring people together. And one way to do that is through homeschooling, because I believe that, that the schools, the institutions form a wedge between the child and the parent. And I, I want to eliminate that. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think it's interesting too, uh, that you noted, that kind of what I'm hearing you saying is that when we can start talking about what we're for, people automatically know what we're against, right? So uh, to just stand for something and what you've really done is you've, you've, you're starting to really take a very bold stand for the authority of parents, for parental authority and for uh, parental responsibility, kind of take back their own children. And that kind of, that came out in your book, They're Your Kids, which actually, I think I can't remember where I first saw it. I want to say, uh, it must have been on the news or something because I know it was a video. And I was watching just your passion for just telling parents, hey, these kids belong to you. They don't belong to the state, which is an interesting uh, now in this culture. I mean, 100 years ago, right? Everybody knew that. <laughs> but now we're told if your kids need educating, they need to go to school. And if you didn't get a degree in uh, education, you're not qualified to teach your kids. Do you hear that still? Well, of course. You know, in fact, yeah. I, I had somebody come up to me at the conference where we just were, and she said that um, she decided to keep her child home from kindergarten. And she ran into one of the teachers at the supermarket who said to her, what makes you think that you can educate your child? You don't have a degree in education. Oh, my word. Like, it, Did she- it's kindergarten. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what it is in our culture that that we've that we've allowed ourselves to be convinced that when the child turns six, all of a sudden you're no longer capable. You've taught mm. them to tie their shoes. You've taught them to use a knife and fork or a fork at least, right? And yet now all of a sudden you can't teach them their ABCs or you know two plus two equals four. It's absurd. It is absurd, and fear seems to be sort of the driving force. I know um, our daughter who's almost 27 now and has two kids of her own. She was in public school up through second grade. And I was an accidental homeschooler. I didn't want to homeschool. Everybody that I knew that did it was totally weird. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but everybody that I knew at that point uh, in the late 80s and early 90s, I was just like, dude, I don't have a jumper. I'm not grinding my own wheat. I just, it's, I'm not a hippie. It's just not me. And uh, I remember just thinking as she was, you know, going off to school, she actually had a great teacher in the school, in the public school in Canby, Oregon. I can't complain about that. But what was really troubling to us was what she was hearing from other students and the things that she was coming home with and the things she was hearing in the school bus. And it really started bothering me. And one of my friends said, well, that's just the way it is. Unless you want to go to to a university and get a degree in education, how are you going to teach her to read? And I thought, yeah, how am I going to teach her to read? I don't know how to do that. 
And then somebody gave me a book called Teach Your Child to Read in 100 Easy Lessons when our second <laughs> daughter was little, right? And I was like, oh, my word, they lied to me. Well, well <laughs> I can do it. They lied because the because it's job security. They have to lie uh, yeah. in order to keep their jobs. And so the lie is that you're not capable of doing anything that you haven't been formally educated to do, which is, of course, absurd because if you're human, you should be a lifelong learner. You should be in the position of teaching yourself. Education should be the, um, the, the, the quest for knowledge. Uh, from any standpoint and, and in any fashion whatsoever. And so what's great is we have the internet now and you're seeing more and more the ability of people to just go online and learn whatever they seek, whatever they desire to learn. And that can be both positive and negative. But there was a, yeah. there was a young kid who's done, I can't remember, he's like 12 or something and he did a TEDx talk. Uh, about hacking his education and he's like a nuclear physicist because he went online and he just taught himself. <laughs> so it's not, and I'm not, that's not to say that every homeschooled kid is a brilliant, you know, another Einstein. Heaven forbid, we're, we're not trying to create Einsteins. What we're trying to do is create lifelong learners. And, and it's important to note that our education system originated back in the 1800s. Uh, it is no longer applicable. We are living in times that are shifting so quickly. Our economy is shifting so quickly. We need to be malleable. We need to be able to teach ourselves new things. Our children are going to change careers five times mm. before they're the age of 30. And so if you don't have a child who understands how to learn new things, then, then your child is going to be at a disadvantage when they're an adult and trying to get along in the world. Mm -hmm. What do you say to the mom who just says, um, I just don't have enough patience. I hear that so often. What do you, what do you say to that mom? I, well, uh, from the Judeo Christian viewpoint, of course, the answer is, well, maybe God gave you your child to teach you patience. <laughs> right. Well, that's all of us. <laughs> right. Patience is a virtue. It is something that needs to be practiced. It's like a muscle. You exercise it. And in mm. fact, patience is one of the things. So, you know, I did my second book, which is a devotional for, families on godly characteristics. And one of the godly characteristics, of course, is patience. And the way that the, the reason that I came up with the idea to do this book is I, I was teaching seventh grade to a co in a co-op situation with homeschoolers. And so every week I would uh, teach one day a week, I'd put a godly virtue on the board and we would workshop it. We would talk about it to try to instill godly characteristics in our children and, and have them, the, the, pe people, we don't get these by osmosis. We have to focus on being good and on striving for excellence because it doesn't come naturally to us, right? And one mm. day I put patience up on the board and I, I was like, okay, so what's the opposite of patience? How do we define patience? And and um, the opposite of patience, of course, is impatience, but you can't use a word to define itself and you can't use it to define its opposite. And so. I got to the point, I was like, okay, what does it look like when you're impatient? And we discovered it looks like anger. Yes. Opposite of patience is anger. And that is noteworthy. Mm. So are you angry with your children? Well, heavens no. Mm. So learn patience. Mm. It's so important. I think one of the things that, uh, you know, I speak, as you know, at homeschool conferences and women's events around the country, and I almost will always ask an audience, how many of you were homeschooled yourself. So in other words, how many of you are in second generation homeschool? Right. And I would still say that about 85, probably 90% of the people that come to 
uh, these conventions were not homeschooled themselves. So they're, it's a brand new idea right. to them. And they're just starting to realize that the public school system is really pretty fatally flawed right now. And uh, I'm hoping that by by seeing more people who have platform and influence get out there to use that influence to kind of push back this this misguided idea that other people should be teaching our children because they can do a better job than we can. It it seems like the excuses like I don't have enough patience or that's just how I grew up or I don't have enough money. All of those things kind of comes back to what do you value? And if you value something and you recognize that you're responsible for what happens with that that thing or that person that you value, it really sits with you. All of a sudden, it makes homeschooling kind of a more plausible option. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's that's actually brilliant. Obviously, it's all about priorities, and mm-hmm. it. But it's also about breaking the the assumptions. Right? We have a societal assumption that our education system gets the job done. And it does not. In fact, it does the opposite of getting the job done. And mm-hmm. and it is designed to do the opposite of getting the job done. So we are a capitalistic society that believes in virtue. And the school is a Marxist institution that believes in hedonism. Yep. And parents don't really like to hear that. No, they don't want to hear think, that because they no. think that it's easier. Here's the thing. They think that it's easier to send their children into public school. And and by the way, I don't get I don't get down on the teachers. I think the teachers are trying to make the best of a horrible situation, and I don't I don't go after Christian schools although they are modeled on the same the same uh, template. Uh, and so they need to be careful and they also need to rethink and they have to examine the materials that they're teaching. But in, in certainly in our public schools, look, we're like 27th in the world. We're the United States of America and we can't beat Lithuania. And right, there's anything wrong with Lithuania, but come on, folks, you know, yeah, pay attention right. here. So yeah. when you when you get to that point, then you really have to start rethinking it. And what's what's fascinating, and my story is this, that when you when you uh, step outside the institution, when you first step outside, you're thinking, oh, okay, so this is, this is something, this is interesting, this is a little bit different. But the, the longer you're outside of the institution, the more corrupt you see it, the more perverted you understand that the institution really is. So, uh, you know, I encourage parents to just try it for a semester. You don't have to sign up for the rest of your life. Although <laughs> about two years in, um, people would ask me, how long do you see yourself homeschooling? Because, because yeah. they look at it as if it's this daunting prospect. It's not. It's wonderful. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing ability that we have in this country. And, you know, there are two bills now in California that are trying to limit um, uh, our, our ability to home educate. That's um, right. Uh, in, in, in major, major ways. They're really trying to stifle home education. Um, and so obviously we have a big fight on our hands, but you know, people would say, well, how long do you see yourself doing it? And I was so in love with homeschooling after just after a couple of years, uh, I was like, well, all the way through college, if I can, and and then we'll see, you know, (laughs) but, but of course the fact is that as the child grows, they become self-sufficient. And so the home education takes on a whole new, uh, it takes a whole new turn. But the Mm -hmm. idea is this. If you have values, 
that are important to you and you want to instill those values in your children, public education is not the way to get that done. No. No, I absolutely agree. And speaking of the bills in California, we've been talking about this on the podcast uh, for quite a bit. But for those of you who aren't familiar and you're living in California, you need to be aware because these are actually real threats to homeschooling in California. Um, Assembly Bill 2926 is up for debate right now and Assembly Bill 2756. Uh, you need to be to know what is happening. I mean, read the bills, contact your assembly uh, women or your assemblymen and find out uh, what this is actually about because th- these bills really, I mean, I'm assuming, Sam, you're monitoring. They're moving quickly. They are moving so quickly. And parents need to stand up and be heard. Yes. It's very and important. I, it seems to me. So here's here's another so an, another sort of uh, point I wanted to sort of discuss with you was that some of these bills, the Assembly Bill, certainly what's happening in California, Calif- this is like a shot across the bow, really, for the rest of the country. Because yeah. if they can do to homeschooling in California, if they can act, if they're successful in making what they want to do is basically put so much regulation on parents that it's going to be almost impossible. I mean, health and safety inspections, whatever happened to you're innocent until proven guilty. They're assuming that these parents are abusing their children. They're assuming that the children are not being taught. The assumption is that something bad is happening rather than uh, something good is happening. And so what they're trying to do is uh, put all of this um, this regulation on homeschooling parents, make sure that you're credentialed, whatever the heck that means. And so when when uh, a homeschooling parent is faced with something like this, um, I'm encouraged parents get off the bench, get onto the battlefield. You can oppose this bill. You can go down and man, make your voice be heard. You can bring your neighborhood, your homeschool co-op, your grandparents. Uh, what do you tell parents, uh, Sam, who are sitting there just feeling, and I know this is so many parents who we just feel overwhelmed and incapable and we don't have a platform or they think they don't have a platform. What do you tell that mom and that dad who's listening to this right now who says, uh, well, hello, Ohio, and we'll talk about that later. But there's so many things happening. What do you tell t- uh, parents uh, to do in light of what's happening in the culture right now? Well, they, I mean, they have to get involved. They, they can't sit on the bench. It's the time for sitting on the bench is past. And if you're, if you're thinking that you're sitting on the bench, you're sitting on the other, you're sitting on the other team's bench. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Because silence is empowering to the opposition. That's, that's, just the way that is. Um, yeah. I, you know, the, we're, we're doing things where you call your representatives and you have to voice your opinion. And, you know, we're battling the same kind of thing here with, um, we've got pornography in our classroom. We've got books that they're advocating for young people to read that feature serious pornographic imagery in the yeah. books. And I don't, I mean, honestly, this isn't just even about the kids anymore. This is about the teachers. How do you protect teachers from literature? And there are some bad teachers out there who obviously want this kind of thing in the classroom, but we need to protect the teachers who don't want this thing in, in the classroom from having the discussions of these books. What do you do with that kind of yeah. Yeah. humanity? Yeah, and until parents, I mean, this will continue because the far left... Uh, agenda is so pervasive in the culture right now. It will continue until parents, ordinary parents, really have more power than even an activist does, right? An ordinary, if you have, you know, uh, 10,000 parents 
going to get a lot more accomplished at the end of the day than one person with a podcast or one person uh, with a platform. I was talking to you, uh, Sam, right before we went on the air about uh, an article I read in World Magazine, and I spoke about this on Wednesday on my podcast uh, that was written by a guy named Alex Gina, who now uh, thinks he's a woman. But he's a book called George. And right now, this is being put, it's particularly happening in Oregon. This is where it's starting. Um, but George is on Oregon's recently released Battle of the Books list for the 2018-2019 school year. And the book isn't just about raising awareness for gender dysphoria. It's actually publishing risky health data because they're they're encouraging kids to get hormone blockers that are relatively new. The FDA hasn't approved them. And giving cross-hormone uh, is like, like estrogen to a boy is not FDA approved. And most uh, psychiatrists, I, I was reading about some psychiatrists at John Hopkins Medical School, and they are saying that hormone therapy in children is, quote, a drastic and experimental measure. And yet this is this is on the book of the most read. I mean, this is they want these kids to read these books. This is on the battle of the books list. How horrifying should that be to parents? Well, I, I mean, if that's not enough reason to pull your child out of public school, I don't know what is. I, d- I don't mm-hmm. understand. I honestly don't understand parents who love their children, who adhere to Christian values and still insist that public school is the best place for them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I think I want to, and I know you feel this way too. I have been talking about uh, home education for a very long time. Jane, I've been doing it over 20 years and I've always, I've been, you know, sort of, I guess not passive isn't the right word, but I want to be very careful not to make a parent feel like we're condemning you if your kid is in public school. I think what we're saying is open your eyes. Education is not neutral. And what's happening in the in the public school system today is anything but neutral. It's actually driving a wedge between parents and children. And I heard you talk about this, which I thought was so brilliant and so powerful what you said at Teach Them Diligently Atlanta uh, this last weekend about how you noticed that uh, the public school system was driving a wedge between you and your child. How how did you realize that? And how would you describe that to parents? Yeah, so, I, and I talked about this in my talk too. When you drop your child off at the school, you are tacitly telling that child that you are incapable or that you don't care enough to try to educate them yourself. That's just that's just the tacit message that you're sending, that someone else is more qualified than you are. That automatically undermines your authority with the child. Then the child comes home and says, mommy, mommy, you have to sign this. The teacher says you have to sign this. And you are again under the authority of the teacher. So your authority is undermined from day one and it only goes, it only goes downhill from there. So when you have a child who then challenges your authority because they've been subjected to this superior authority every day for almost eight hours a day, what do you expect? Of course, the child will challenge your authority. And when the child then starts coming home with homework, that is common core, which is really just, it's, I can't, I can't express how bad common core is to the family dynamic, let alone to education, which of course, it's a disaster in education. But they Hmm. revamped how to teach the Mm -hmm. standard algorithm in mathematics. So they're no longer teaching what you learned in school. They're teaching it a different way. And you don't know what that way is. So if you're lucky, maybe you'll understand it. You'll be able to explain it to your child. But if you're unlucky, and most parents 
are unlucky because they don't have the time to sit down and try to learn this new magic common core math. And because because it's because they've turned math into magic, they've taken well, the logic out of really math. Really makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, now all of a sudden, you say to the child, "Well, do it the old way. The old way was perfectly good." Which, of course, it was. There was no reason to revamp it if 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 not to somehow undermine the relationship between the child and the parent, and or make math more difficult for children to attain, thereby discouraging them from pursuing math. Um, in any case, you, you say to the child, do it this way. And the child says, no, no. Teacher says we have to do it the common core way. Right? Once again, your authority is undermined and now you're stupid. Now you're stupid in the eyes of your child. So good luck with that relationship when you're trying to tell the child Mm -hmm. that your values have merit. Because your authority has been completely decimated in the eyes of the child. Yeah. And I think this is, this is a tough, this is a bitter pill for parents to swallow because we've been told, we've been told for so long and it's so ingrained into us that school, that the schools are there, the parents are there to support the teachers. And I want to just reiterate what you said earlier. We're not blaming the teachers. I I think that the, the blame is not the, at the laying at the feet of the teachers. The blame really is at the feet of administrators and people who are pushing agendas in the school system that the teachers really have no choice but to comply with. I was talking to a friend of mine, a, a actually very dear friend of mine, who's been teaching kindergarten in the public school system for 32 years. And they were in her state, in her, uh, in her district, they're required now to teach children as young as five years old that gender is a, con- a social construct, that their gender is fluid. And she said she she went home from this teacher from this teacher meeting, and she said the teachers are afraid they're going to lose their jobs. The teachers are afraid to to speak out. She said she went home and wept, and she is going to be uh, retiring early. She said I cannot be a party to this. So what I what I love to do is encourage teachers to start homeschooling other yes. children. Yep. There are a lot of people yep. out there who are struggling to figure out how to get homeschooling done when they work full time. Uh, mm-hmm. hire, hire a teacher who's retired. In fact, a friend of mine yep. did it. Um, he, he was looking at putting his children in private school and instead, because his, the public schools where he lives are completely worthless, he, he decided. And so he looked into it and his wife was categorically opposed to taking on education for their children. So what he did was he hired for each child a retired school teacher. He did the research, gave them the curriculum. They came to the house, one per child. The children got tutoring mm. for less wow. than the tuition of the private school. And the, te- the teacher showed up for four hours every day. The mom cooked and cleaned and took care of the house and took care of everything else. Never did a stitch of homework with the kids. His daughter just, uh, the guy's daughter just graduated Harvard. Uh, don't ask me why she went to Harvard, but it's prestigious. So, okay. Right. right? But in any case, I'm just saying there, there's, there's a whole gamut of how to get it done. It's really, it's really, you have to prioritize. And if you prioritize your children, then you have to admit that public school is probably not the best place for them. And that, that goes for the social aspects, that goes for the educational aspects, it goes for the morality aspects, it goes, really, we can go down all the checklist of, you know, what things do you want? Look, look, what is the motto of our public schools? College prep and career readiness. 
how is that? How does that have any value? Really? Mm. When you think about it, Mm -hmm. is that, is, Mm -hmm. is the job the highest aspiration you have for your child? Mm. Think about it. Yep. I was just talking to a a group of parents and you and I both spoke for uh, teach them diligently this last weekend in Atlanta. And I think you and I share a very similar heart. And one of the things that I said to the parents was, listen, our goal as parents should not be to get our children into Harvard. Our goal should be to help our children understand how to determine and, uh, and uh, filter what they're hearing through the culture, through the grid as a Christian, through the grid of scripture. I want my children to be able to recognize the truth from a lie. And there are so many lies in the culture right now. And I know that if my children are listening for the voice of the Lord and they've been taught how to how to um, determine what is true, that they're going to be successful in whatever they undertake because they're not going to be uh, led down a rabbit trail by somebody who doesn't care about them and has an agenda that doesn't match their own. And I think it's so important. There's, It's just, it is a lie. I love listening to Mike Rowe, one of my favorite people on the whole earth, yeah. when he talks about how, how not every kid is going to go to college. Like whatever happened, why are we down on the trades? Right. Right. So what if, if your kid wants to be a welder? That, that There's actually really good money in welding. That's right. There's really good money in plumbing. <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> you know, every time the plumber comes over here, I'm just like, hey, should I just pay your 1500 bucks now or do you want me to pay it to you two hours when you leave? You know, <laughs> uh, it's it's amazing what we the indoctrination in the culture right now. Well, I mean, of course, of course, because look, the colleges get rich because they get the money. And the the public schools and and money private schools are feeders for the colleges. And the problem is, you know, Bernie Sanders ran on this whole thing about free education. If it's free, mm. that's about what it's worth, and that's what it's come down to. Is college education is no longer what it used to be? It's not the golden ticket anymore. So rethink. We got to rethink why is our child going to college? Because if it's to study ancient French gender literature or whatever, like it's just, it's not going to be sellable in the marketplace. And, no. um, and, and so I don't know that it's worth $250,000 to purchase that. Education, right. You know, so we, we right. have to become more savvy. And unfortunately, you know, we've been, we've been, because we are all products of our education system, we, we are in a position now of just sort of doing things by rote without giving a lot of thought to what's happening behind the scenes. And I think we, we all need to take a step back and, and look at the results. You know, one thing that, that the liberals are very good at doing is they're very good at implementing policy without, uh, without considering unintended consequences and, and without going back and going, Oh, did that work? So we had the war on poverty for many years. Did it work? Absolutely not. Have we stopped doing it? No. Why should we? We've thrown more money at it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's absolutely right. Well, Sam, I wanted to just thank you for uh, coming on the podcast with me. I've actually invited Sam to come back on Mailbox Monday. I had a great question come in from a listener that has a lot to do with homeschooling and how do you do it if you've got one spouse who's opposed to it. Um, but I hope you've been encouraged uh, by Sam's exam. Sam, I love you. I am so encouraged to see a woman in your position taking such a stand. It's really an encouragement. If you guys have uh, questions about Sam or you want to know what she's doing or you want to buy her books, I'm going to link back to all things Sam Sorbo at the show notes today. And uh, we're going to come back on Monday and answer a question that I know you guys are going to be blessed by. Sam, thank you so much for coming by the podcast today. I appreciate it. So glad to be here. Thank you so much. 
Hey, everybody, have a great weekend, and I'll see you back here on Monday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.